welcome to Forward Launch Your SaaS. I'm Kira Woodard, the podcast marketer and owner of Forward Launch. In this series, I sit down with executives whose marketing campaigns have resulted in impressive growth for their startups. In each episode, our guests talk about the one biggest piece of wisdom that they would share with other B2B SaaS marketing execs. Right. So today I'm just sitting down with Sharon Bigger. She is currently the VP of Marketing and Sales at Hotjar. Hotjar provides product experience insights. So essentially companies see how the users are interacting with and experiencing the website and how to, and gives insights on how to improve that website so users have a better digital experience. And prior to working at Hotjar, Sharon was actually in mobile gaming, started her own B2B SaaS company providing retail analytics. So Sharon, I'm super excited to chat with you today, dig into everything that's going on in your marketing life. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me, Kira. I feel very privileged to be here. Yeah. So if you want to just kick things off and tell me about like why or how you kind of got into marketing to begin with. Sure. Actually, I came into marketing via analytics. As you mentioned, my own startup was in analytics. And when I left there, I joined the mobile gaming company as head of analytics. And, you know, at core of marketing today is analytics. So it was a very easy shift sideways from analytics into marketing. So I've always had this belief that marketing has to be data-driven at its core. But what's really fun about marketing and exciting is it's really this merge of of science and art. And that makes it just a, a super fun place to be. Yeah. Analytics background. That's super fun. How did you end up working at Hotjar? In mobile gaming, a lot of the marketing is performance marketing. So a lot of our spend is, is just letting people know that the game exists. Relatively little content marketing on the mobile app space. And so I knew that I had a gap in my CV around content marketing. And Hotjar is extremely strong in content marketing. Thankfully, I had a friend working at Hotjar and I reached out to them and I I said, hey, I really want to learn how to do content marketing and do it well. And no one does it better than Hotjar. So is there a role that might be uh, opening up for me? And I was very lucky there was. Yeah. All right. Since you got started there, what would you say has kind of been the biggest insight that's allowed you to grow the company? Yeah, I think the biz- biggest insight for me is has really been to make sure to keep the customer at the heart of our marketing. Uh, you know, what I've seen at Hotjar and elsewhere, in fact, is that as marketers, we we do have a tendency to be a little bit arrogant sometimes. So we create these big, grand campaigns. We envisage that they'll run across multiple channels, mm-hmm. and then we launch them at two customers. That's too late. No, no, no product would ever do that. No product would wait until it's all done and then go, hey, customers, what do you think about this? So I think there's there's just a lot that we can learn from how product has developed and we can make sure that we're testing all the time going through as we develop our marketing. Is this really what going to resonate with this with the customers? Is this really, will they be able to understand it? Will they see the benefits of my product if I uh, express it in this way? Yeah. So what led you to come to that realization or that insight? Yeah, it's it's been bubbling up to the surface, but it it crystallized when we went through a rebrand at Hotjar last year. So we were going through, we were just about to kick off the rebrand and we were out interviewing agencies and we were asking them, you know, okay, can you help us redesign the brand of Hotjar? And how would you go about doing that? And how would you test that this brand was actually resonating with Hotjar customers and, and prospective customers. And we were quite shocked, to be honest, because very few of those agencies could answer the question of how they would know for sure 
that customers would like uh, the brand. And so that really hit home to me that as as marketers, we're not doing enough to put our, our marketing before it goes live in front of the customers and get and get their feedback on it. Right. I think maybe that's what a lot of marketers kind of struggle with, like not understanding how the customers are going to react in advance. And a lot of it is just kind of guesswork most of the time, or coming back to the analytics, like far after the campaign has been launched and trying to like divine from the tea leaves, like what actually happened here and why did people react this way? Whereas you have more of an upfront approach of like, let's, let's develop an MVP of our marketing campaign. And let's show that to our potential customers and see what they think about that before we invest all of these thousands of dollars to promoting and launching a big campaign. That That's exactly right. You know, right now we're creating a new video ad for Hotjar. You know, whereas in the past we might have gone through and created the ad and then launched it on, on Facebook or, or LinkedIn or somewhere. And, and as you say, looked at the analytics um, post that campaign. Now we're starting earlier and earlier in the process to test it with customers and see if we're on the right track. So with this, uh, this latest video ad, we really went as minimum viable advert as we could. We created a storyboard threw in a voiceover from one of our team, um, just recorded himself doing the voiceover. And then we got some customers on Zoom calls and said, hey, if we, if you saw this as an advert, what would you understand about Hotjar from this advert? And it's just been a fantastic learning experience because the problem is we are so embedded in the product. We know it so, so well that we forget uh, what it's like to look at it for the very first time. Oh, Whenever customers uh, of Hotjar at this point, they're just prospective customers. They just gave us such great feedback. You know, they were able to show us, hey, this isn't clear. I don't know what you mean by this. And they said to us, the product itself, there's no screenshots of the product in the storyboard anywhere. And that was just eye-opening to us. You know, we hadn't even thought about putting screenshots uh, into the video. And so, you know, obviously we've changed that video. We changed the ending that they found confusing. Um, And actually, we're just going back out to, to check it with them again. So, yeah, really, we found it extremely useful to get customer feedback, even at that very, very early stage. That's great. I would love to see more of this. And like, where did you get the prospective customers? And like, how did you set up whatever program allowed you to get that direct feedback from them? Yeah, there's a number of services that do this, surprisingly. Uh, the one that we use the most is a company called Ping Pong. Um, we find them just excellent. You can, on Ping Pong, you can say what kind of uh, person that you want to speak to. And then you find a space that fits in their calendar. You can jump on a, a 15 minute or 30 minute Zoom call. So we do that. We find, you know, maybe 10, maybe 20 customers, depending on on how much we want to test. We jump on a quick Zoom call with them. We share our screen, show them some uh, initial concepts and get their feedback. Um, so I, I would highly recommend services like that. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's so easy. I love that. <laughs> All right. Before you got to this insight of getting customers to kind of look at your MVP, before that, what what was kind of the challenges that you were facing? Many people in marketing really challenged by this idea that marketing is subjective. And if I go back to what we were talking about before, you know, this kind of kicked off with our rebrand at Hotjar. And Hotjar is a very design-centric firm. So we care about the way things look. That means we have a lot of people internally that care about the way things look. And so when you're creating something like a brand, there can be a lot of conflict over, you know, I can say, oh, I like this one. And then you might say, I like this one. And how do we resolve that conflict when we're talking about something as, as subjective as a logo, for example? And unfortunately, what tends to happen in a lot, particularly around 
brand, I would say, is that we all might be in a, in a meeting and I'll say, I like this one. And unfortunately, my voice carries more weight in that meeting maybe than one of my team. And then my CEO might come in and say, actually, I like this one. And their voice carries more weight than all of us put together. What sometimes happens is, unfortunately, the CEO gets to pick. But really, none of that matters. Our opinions don't matter at all. My opinion doesn't matter. I'm not even a designer and particularly not very creative. So what matters is what the customers think. Uh, and so for us, what's super important, particularly when it comes to the brand, is getting these concepts in front of of customers and prospective customers and saying, tell us what you think about this, uh, this design. What does it mean to you? What what is what do you associate with these colors, with these shapes? We tried very hard as much as possible to ignore all internal voices and rely just on on what the customer was telling us. Yeah, I think that makes way too much sense. And I'm surprised that that doesn't seem to be a common approach, like in marketing specifically, because like you said, in product, they kind of have this figured out where we're just going to do all these minimum viable products. And they have the mindset of we're going to pivot. So every couple of months, like if we're early stage, if we're just trying to get our product out there, we're going to put it out there, see what works, see if we can get some user feedback. And then we're going to pivot what we focus on based on the results of that. But in marketing, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we'll just kind of sit in a silo somewhere and like throw things out to the wind. I wonder if we're going to get any results from this. I guess we'll check six months from now. Let's see what our, our Google Analytics told us. <laughs> yes, it's it's so true. And I think we we just delude ourselves that we understand our customers. You know, I think after working now with our customers, I have some level of empathy with what they're looking for and what they like. But the truth is, I'm not our customer. Mm -hmm. And so as as much as I would like to think my gut instinct is right, it's just nowhere near as good as just asking the customer directly um, what they think and how they feel. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about finding a service that kind of connects you on Zoom meetings with like people in your target audience, which is really interesting because it kind of comes to mind like, well, how many other services like this are out there. And maybe this is something that we could be pushing harder to actually get funding for in our organizations, like as opposed to like, let's push for like the next Google ads campaign. Maybe we should push for what's the next customer research campaign and like what what services are out there, what tools are out there that would allow us to do that better. Yeah. And it doesn't really, you can be done very, very cheaply. So we have a, uh, internally, we just have a program of constantly being on on Zoom calls with our customers. And so what happens is we'll we'll put out an NPS survey to anybody using our product. And when somebody answers that NPS survey, they're actually offered the chance to speak with someone at Hotjar. And if they say yes, we jump on a quick 30-minute call. We ask them all about how did they find Hotjar, how's their experience of the product, what could we do better, what can we learn? And in compensation for that, we give them an Amazon to gift voucher to spend on on something for themselves. So it can be done very, very cheaply just from your own customer base as well. Right. That sounds like a really easy thing to implement if you already have like a lot of customers just on your email list or that you can ping. So yeah, let's let's switch gears a bit. Let's say if you were to give me step-by-step kind of some specific tactics to implement and I'm just SaaS marketer trying to figure out how to implement this in my business, what are the steps you would give me? Yeah, I think the, the first step is just as much as you possibly can 
give up this idea that a beautiful advert is the one that is the most effective. So really just try and put that out of your head because as marketers, we just tend to have this belief that the most beautiful design is the one that's going to lead to the most customers. And it's quite often not true. So first of all, try and put that out of your head. Second of all, I would say, just really ask yourself, what's the most minimal piece of work that I can do to get this concept across to someone new? And it might be, you know, if it's a content piece, maybe it's just a paragraph you need to write to show to someone to say, hey, would you be interested in reading a blog on this? If it's a if it's a video ad, as I say, maybe it's just a storyboard you need to show someone. You know, we often brainstorm around micro tools and things like this. And we often think about how quickly could we throw up a website and just test something. So it's really just get together with a bunch of people and really think about and question yourself and ask yourself how how minimum can you go before the people just won't get the concept at all? And then just and then take that out to the customers and get their feedback. Okay, I like that. So what are some of the ways that you have kind of put out that minimum you know, concept or piece of work? I mean, you mentioned like micro tools, a quick website, a storyboard. Is there anything else that you've used? Yeah, I mean, we used it a lot in, in thinking of our brand. Um and doing the brand redesign. So, you know, we um, we were trying to figure out what category Hotjar should be in and thinking about, we actually ended up with a new category, but we weren't sure that the new category that we had chosen was understandable. Because if you, if you go for a category name, you really want those two or three words to form a picture in somebody else's mind. Like if, if I say CRM to you, probably immediately Salesforce comes to mind and you get it, right? So we wanted a category that that was as powerful and as strong as that. And so we took the same approach. We just came up with a range of category names that we thought might work and and went out to customers and said, okay, if we told you we were a company that did X, Y, Z, what picture comes to mind? And that was just, uh, it, it was so enlightening. I can't remember the category name, but at one point I was on a Zoom call with a customer and I said, okay, if it's category name X, Y, Z, what do you think the company does? And and this person said to me, I think they're a company that video records you bungee jumping off a bridge. I was like, okay, well, that's not the category name for us then. <laughs> that one was just ruled out immediately. <laughs> and yet that had been one internally. We had been debating and discussing for a really long time, but that had never occurred to us. So yeah, it's just fascinating when you get out there and you talk to customers and, and you get that perspective. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what category name did you guys land on? Product Experience Insights. Product Experience Insights. That does generate a picture in my mind of uh, uh, experiencing a product as a customer. I'm getting insights from it as a marketer or web designer. Very interesting. I think you guys landed on it. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) So what pitfalls might people come across? As they try to implement your steps, which was your the two steps that you gave were try to give up the idea that a beautiful advertisement is going to be the most effective one and ask yourself, what is the minimum viable concept that you can deliver to a prospective customer in order to get some feedback on it? Yeah, so I think the pitfalls are, I mean, really what I said before, which is that uh, we we convince ourselves that an advert has to be beautiful before it's understandable. So what I see happen is this this minimum viable advert actually becomes a very nice looking product and very nice looking understandable advert before it goes to to a customer because that's just our natural instinct. We just don't want something ugly to go out there. So I think that's the biggest pitfall and and you know many of us are creative or design at heart and just to to try and strip everything away from from that. 
and go as, as minimum as possible. And then I think the other pitfall is we tend to think that an advert's not going to work unless it's on like a lot of different channels. So so we start thinking, before we start thinking about what's the minimum way I can test this, we start thinking about, okay, how can I get this advert in a blog? How can I get this advert in a, in a video on YouTube? How can I turn this into a, a social post on LinkedIn? How can I turn it into a tweet? And we're thinking ahead to all of these things before mm-hmm. we've we've got to the point of what's what's a concept that I can test with a customer and how can I get feedback from them. So we tend to jump ahead to the full campaign very, very quickly. And so we have to try and stop ourselves from doing that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you kind of have to know what your campaign is aiming for, like what the what you want the results to be, but you don't want to spend too much time thinking about how you're going to create all of these little spin-off pieces of content until you've actually tested that upfront bigger piece of content. That's right. You got to know what your core message is that you're trying to get across and what's that core asset for the campaign off which everything else will be derived. And it's that core asset and that core message that you want to get feedback on. Well, once you're comfortable with feedback, you know, go ahead, you know, create your tweet, your LinkedIn, your Instagram post. Then you're confident that it's going to resonate. But it's really that core message and that core asset that you need that feedback from. So what all do you tend to test? Is it, do you mostly focus on testing ads or like things that you have to invest a lot of time in creating like videos or do you test smaller things? Like what's what's the smallest unit you test? Like do you test a LinkedIn post or a blog? Blogs, yes. LinkedIn posts, no. We just tend to go live with those the more expensive it gets the more testing we will do you know so tv ads absolutely certain we will test that a lot in the early stages video ads depending depending if it's user generated content or if it's an expensive animation we will test but yeah so it, de- it depends on if the cost of testing outweighs the cost of just producing the asset and getting it live then we won't we won't bother test we'll just produce the asset and go live but if the right. cost of the asset is high um then we will spend time on that testing. Yeah, I think that makes sense too. Because if you take something like an animated video, uh, and that's been like thoroughly user tested before you kind of put it out there, then you can take spinoffs of that and turn that into other content. You can repurpose. Uh, yeah, so exactly. you, you have a sense of whether or not it's going to work before you do all this work to you know put it out on social media or turn it into other forms of content. Agreed. Yeah. So what were the results in general after you implemented this idea of getting getting customer feedback? Yes, I, I think the, the most impressive results we've had are really around the rebrand. So we did the rebrand to make sure that Hotjar was appealing across the SMB space. So to startups as well as mid-market companies. Our old brand appealed very, very well to startups, but mid-market companies were looking at it and saying, hey, this looks like a company for startups. Whereas, you know, the product goes across the full full range of SMB companies. And so the rebrand was really designed to make sure that Hotjar appealed across that audience. That's where all of this testing really had a, a huge impact and, and helped Hotjar. Hotjar grew by over 50% last year. And I don't think we would have achieved that if our rebrand had not been successful. When you say grew, do you mean customers? Like 50% more customers? <laughs> 50% more revenue. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Just from a rebrand? That is <laughs> well, not just from a rebrand, to be fair. Um, you know, the product improved <laughs> significantly as well. Um, but yeah. the rebrand helped. Yeah, I bet it did. All right. That is a really great insight. I really appreciate this, Sharon. And as we sort of wrap up, I would like to shine a spotlight on you. So are there any projects you're working on, anything that you'd like people to know and anywhere that you'd like people to be able to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So there's um 
think there's two big projects that we're working on right now that we'd like people to to be aware of. The first is, uh, you know, we're creating a content series that we'll be launching very soon. And the content series is around, uh, based around the things that Hotjar cares about. So at Hotjar, we're very uh, cognizant of the fact that as employees, you're told or you're expected to love your work. But we believe that if you're expected to love your work, your work should love you too. Um, and so we're doing, uh, you know, we we believe that employees are not just cogs in a wheel, that employees should be fairly rewarded for their efforts that they put in. And so we're doing a series that that shares how, how Hotjar thinks about this and in particular how we build trust and culture. We're a fully remote company. We've always been remote even before the pandemic. So, you know, how do you build love from your employees? How do we demonstrate love back to our employees? Uh, in a remote company. So we're building a content series around that, around how we build trust, how we maintain relationships with our people remotely, even after they graduate from Hopjar. And, you know, we've seen some great successes where we've maintained relationships with people who've, who've then come back to Hotjar after working somewhere else. So keep an eye out for that content series. And then the second big project that I'm working on right now that I'm very excited about is we're kind of throwing out the window the idea of, of how marketing departments should be organized. Um, so if I if I went into any modern day tech company right now and said to you, I think all the front end engineers to, should be together, all the back end engineers should be together, and and you know they'll talk to each other. At least we hope hope they will. You'd tell me I was crazy because that's not how we organize product and engineering departments. You know we modern tech companies have cross functional squads working together to develop product features, and yet for some reason that's how we organize marketing teams. And I don't understand it, but we go into marketing teams, we put all the content people together, we put all the performance people together, we put all the designers together, and then we sort of sit back and hope that they talk to each other. So we've given up on that model, we're throwing that model out the window, and we're saying, hey, our product colleagues are onto something, and we've reorganized our marketing department into four cross-functional marketing squads. Our ideal customer profile are product teams. We want to do this so that we organize like our ideal customer profile and we understand what it's like to be in a product team and they work. But also we believe this is the best way to get innovation, communication across the various marketing disciplines. Oh, that is super interesting. And it's interesting how you're you're modeling your your own team after what your customers' teams look like because you're, you're going after product teams. Super cool. Well, thanks so much, Sharon. I no, really, really appreciate you sharing your story. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Forward Launch Your SaaS. If you'd like summaries, show notes, transcripts, downloads, and other helpful links and resources to help you implement the tactics you've heard here, then you can one, go to forwardlauncherSaas.com and two, subscribe to our email newsletter. Lastly, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, colleagues, and neighbors and head over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.